Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the NXT Review. I'm Michael Hamlet from What Culture and I'm joined by Michael Sidgwick from What Culture to discuss everything that happened on last night's NXT. But first... If you're a fan of this sort of thing, well, not this sort of thing, but like most wrestling coverage, make sure to listen to What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, or anywhere you get them from. I've already watched this, but who cares? We'll just keep going. Where you can get reviews and previews of uh, the show formerly known as NXT 2.0. Also, Monday Night Raw, Friday Night Smackdown, AW Dynamite, AW Collision, pay-per-views, premium and live events. Uh, we also hold wrestler roundtables, no, interviews, roundtables, have discussions around the week, complete with a bloody good quiz. Sige. It's already off the rails, this one, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I should really write these things down. You think you've cracked Wilborn's spiel, and then like it just goes off the rails like I did there. Oh, I'm really pleased for you. Uh, I think it's because I'm doing anything I can, subconsciously, to delay talking about an episode of NXT that I thought was le garbage. It wasn't very good at all. No. There's some stuff that I'm happy to bury. I've got a conspiracy theory as well. I, you know, I look... Not like I should... <laughs> I don't like a conspiracy theory because a lot of conspiracy theories are carefully assembled to enable people's uh, racism. You like you like a low stakes wrestling conspiracy. I like theory. a low stakes wrestling conspiracy, right? I absolutely do not. I'm not a QAnon guy or anything of the sort. Trust me, mm-hmm. but I like developing um, genuine. Deep level. What's really going on here behind the scenes? And I've got, I've, I've got a funny one. Okay, yeah, I've got a funny one. But you know, I don't think it's inaccurate. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah. I don't know what you're referring to, but I like it. I think what put me in a bad mood with the show. We're going to start uh, right out of the gate with the. It was Gold Rush Night. It's uh, Gold Rush Night One. There's Gold Rush Night Two next week. I like that name for a show, Gold Rush. I just like it. Yeah. Like, they, they remember when Edge won the Gold Rush tournament while he still had the Money in the Bank briefcase? Yeah. There was that feeling of like. You've got everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that was. I, I enjoyed that. Um, yeah, this is night one I used to of enjoy Edge. Oh, yeah, <laughs> the two night Gold Rush thing, and uh, they started the minute ago on with the North American title match featuring Wesley versus Tyler Bate. But I hated it. Oh, you um, can't do anything on this show without it being stupid. Oh man, I've not like I've not felt. I will say this for NXT. I've not felt this cross with um, systemic negligence on NXT in quite a while. Probably dare I even say it since we were still in the uh, Capital Wrestling Centre in the worst, dingiest days of Triple H's 2021 NXT, where you can see the gears of how this big corporate machine works basically clunking and faltering, and we got that here. Like I don't do the recaps, and because I could never do them as well as Wilborn, but Wesley and Tyler Bate, for those that haven't watched, and I feel with NXT quite too many, are attempting to have a very Wesley and Tyler Bate match. It's this idea that they are kind of in-ring equals. Tyler Bate is 
Stylistically with, different, but... Yeah, like of, of a similar ability in a way that Tyler Bate has felt that in a competitive fair fight, you can actually take this title off Wesley, um, who's had this great reign. Like, just a great matches have been the theme of Wesley's title reign in the sort of vein of uh, Orange Cassidy or Gunther. They're trying to tell, like, a lower stakes version of that. But they can't, because Moose Ali is the guest referee, and we've seen that there's been a bit of... Sexy, awkward tension between the three of them. He wants the belt as well. He does. And he's like, how can I uh, infect this whole thing but pretend to be positive all along? And he's just, he's been a bit of a wacky referee. So he'll do a fast count, but he'll do it to both. And then he'll do a slow count, but he'll do it to both. He's not biased. He's just here for He's having fun. He's just, you know, he's stir of the pot. Stir of the pot. Like, now remember, the reason he was installed as a special referee is because, as you pointed out, for the first time in history... WWE adhered to a set of rules and set the rules forever with that finish last week where a referee came in to stop a two count because of a blind tag that hadn't been spotted. So basically, all referees at this point have been rendered useless yes. compared to Mustafa Ali. And in his one attempt to be like, you know what, I'm going to be better than every referee of all time, he reduces the rule to that of a um, punchline. Yes. That of a comedy character, basically. Um so anyway, we get to the finish, which again was completely informed by the Mustafa Ali thing. Um, Wesley is sent out to the floor, uh, and they're doing a count-out spot, which Tyler Bates seems content with. Weird, because you can't win the title with a count-out, but, you know, anyway. Um, so Mustafa Ali goes outside. He's like, come on, Tyler, like, get back in, get back in. Um, and then he does it with, sorry, he does it with Wesley, and then he goes back in and he does it with Tyler Bates as well. He's like, I've walked both guys up. It's absolutely fine. Yeah. Like, I'm not, it's whatever. Um, but then because... Tyler Bate is distracted, understandably, by Mustafa Ali not behaving at all like a referee. He leaves himself open to be hit with a cardiac kick, which Wesley hits and then wins. And then, in order for, in their mind, to keep him a baby face rather than claiming Zeal got on gain, he looks a bit confused and pissed off with what Mustafa Ali's done. He takes the win. He accepts the condition, but he's like, I'm pretty mad about this. We're going to have to go again. I, I hate all of it. There was literally one bit of exhilaration in the match that was premised on the idea of two really great wrestlers working an exhilarating, fast-paced match. Yeah. And that was um, the cardiac kick counter when they went off the ropes and just, oh, that was fantastic. Everything else was just garbage, as you say. Um, I had two... One fundamental problem, but this is rooted in my just approach to how I view or don't like WWE in general. Mark Twain, famous <laughs> author, one of his various witticisms. Who do you have a beat? Yeah. One of his favorite witticisms was, golf is a nice walk ruined. Yeah. I disagree. I'm not even a big golf guy, hmm. but it's a bit fun, isn't it, on a walk? But he had a point. WWE is a good wrestling match ruined. <laughs> like it just it always does something stupid a terrible finish pure corny procrastination to try and make something else happen again like this Cody Brock trilogy that's like one of the high points of WWE's year and it's still very WWE it's still finding these corny devices to try and prevent something of meaning from happening yeah that's the worst thing about wrestling for me and it's creeped in it crept into uh, AEW's booking, which I hate, and it's a WWE hallmark. Like the irony being that oh, sports entertainment, pal. Uh, we don't know that carny old wrestling. We're above that. We transcend it. It's like no, you don't. You embody the worst of it. <laughs> like you're not even trying to get people to buy tickets to go to towns. That's not even your revenue stream. But episodic TV is. We want something to happen. We do not have the creative spark or flair or planning or just 
good sense to make it interesting. We will just do something, we'll put you out of it, and then we'll do some really stupid pretext to make it happen again because that'll pad out some TV time with these really sort of lengthy contractual obligations that we have. And this match embodied it for me, just a total rubbish device to make something else happen again. That's all this was at its core. My, so that's the wider complaint. My complaint about how they approached this philosophy specifically specifically to this match is Mustafa Ali, and they'll never get this for some reason, is at his best when he's playing the really sympathetic underdog character. That's just, we saw the glimpse of it in the Daniel Bryan feud mm-hmm. of 2019. They've never even really attempted to do it again. He's always a whiner. Now he's mischievous. He's a lot of things. A guy with really good comedic timing, for me, he's not. Hmm. I don't think he's got the comedic chops to pull off this weird heel-leaning role. Kind of like Positive Alley on Raw a few weeks ago. Yes, yes. Doesn't feel so he's masquerading as the old Mustafa Ali when he first came into NXT. Buddy Buddy with the baby face. Um, North American title picture guys. And, you know, he's back in NXT to prove himself and... Apparently that was like a smokescreen to just be more mischievous, yeah, wacky, funny. I don't think he's very funny. I don't think he's got the chops to pull this off. Like he's not so MGF. You love to hate him because mm-hmm. he's just really funny, yeah, and he can be despicable. Uh, I don't think Ali's. I don't understand why they can't just keep it simple, stupid with this guy. Why it's been four years of just sh- stupidity and unflattering. Roles. He's had. He's one of these people who's had just one of these absolutely bizarre, completely disconnected WWE careers. And you know, to the man's credit, it's no wonder he's tried to leave oh, time and time and time and time again. The relationship, the relationship between that company and that performer is bizarre. It's inscrutable, and I just increasingly feel sorry for him. Do you know who else never had the chops to be funny, but they kind of forced it through anyway? It's Triple H. And I wonder if he's... He forced it through. He forced it through. Shawn Michaels was funny. Matter of fact, I got a problem. <laughs> I, I always hate that. In a really non-specific way yeah. that I can't articulate. He just thinks he's like... Yeah. The gum-chewing, witty action hero. <laughs> and you can't even be the life of the party in a group that also includes Road Dog. You're doing something wrong, aren't you? Oh, God. Like, I, it, like you kind of... He wasn't the bad carrier that he was with Sean in DX, but he wasn't the party host he thought he was too. Oh, he was, he was just, just in the spot. And like, he was just the cockroach. I think he's seen um, something in Mustafa Ali because there's multiple cases of this now, as you say, from the contrast to who he was a babyface versus what we've seen where in his mind he's, he's oh, kind of like a bit cocky and smug and I think there's a character in this and I'm going to make you this insincere smiling babyface who cracks a couple of jokes, but like, people can say, kind of like me back in the day. Yeah. Like, and then he loves that. And then he's like, oh, I've got nothing for you now, kid. Sean, remember how I was? And like, he's basically speaking to the only other person that thought Triple H was funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sean Michaels. More of that. So that's how we've had this character resurface on NXT. Yeah. Um, to your point about match to build a match and all those other awful negatives, um, there's mutual respect still between Bate and Wesley, but neither of them look particularly happy with how the match has gone, understandably so. Uh, other than Moose Ali, who's just like, great time, guys. Triple threat's coming, isn't it? Yeah. And the fix is going to be in somewhere. Um, funny to bring up Mark Twain. I admire you wanting to inject a little bit of high art into this podcast because Gigi Dolan wanted to inject some high art into NXT. 
Did you know Cedric that this is your thing? Paintings appreciator. Gigi Dolan is looking at murals because that's who I am. Um, but you know who doesn't care about art? It's people from the business world. Yes. Because art and commerce don't mix, Sige. And uh, how did we not see that Gigi Dolan and Keanu James oil and water all along? How did, how did we not see? Like, this is this, like kind of AEW thing, isn't it? Where in 2019, character traits are established on a dynamite to not be paid off for another two years. Yes. It's effectively Gigi Dolan and Keanu James, right? Art versus commerce. Who prevails? Yes. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Um... I guess we'll preview it as and when it happens, but it's got. I think it's Gold Rush next week, isn't it? Is it Gold Rush two? There on it. Oh, I'll next preview week. it next week. Then. Yeah, <laughs> it's weird, but it's weird. It's so it's paintings now. Yeah. If, so we didn't actually watch it. It was just a vignette. <laughs> yeah. Gigi Dolan saying that you know she had a horrific upbringing, so she sought to escape through her imagination and wondering how beautiful the world could really be. Yet again, it takes a <laughs> genuine thing that you cannot in good faith or good conscience bury mm-hmm. and they make you resent her as yeah. a character for having such a hard life. It's they, they are terrible. This is a terrible wrestling brand. And like to the point of Keanu James being the businesswoman, she's just like bothered. I've got ambition. Yeah. I've got ambition to be a good wrestler and you can't push back against it because yeah, it's a wrestling company. I know. I like, know. And her saying, I've got ambition to be like the best in the world. Well, maybe park building businesses and trying to buy yeah, bars know, and buying universities. I know. I know. It's, uh, she hasn't done a business in a while, though. That's true. She hasn't done a business for a bit. Uh, maybe it's because her main deal is still hiding in plain sight. Who knows? Who knows anything about Duke Hudson anymore? Because I can't work out what's going on with his character anymore. All I know is that I love him still. He comes out as um, the to host a pep rally. A pep rally. Pep rally. Um, which is obviously quite a nice idea, considering the chase gimmick. Uh, for Thea Hale, ahead of her big title match next week, he's full babyface this week. There's none of the uh, stressed... Marking or voicemails to Andre Chase that we've seen from recent weeks. He's just all in. He's all here for Thea Hill. Um, Drew Gulak and Charlie Dempsey are kind of winning me over as the like anti charisma pair amongst these just overexcited. Like those are the two people you want last to arrive at the pep rally. Yeah, but they're there and they're stuck there. And I sort of think the contrast made it work a little bit this week. Um, and all of this is basically about and why not too? I will defend this. All of this is about Thea Hill's age. She's 19 years old. She's just graduated high school. She's already achieved this. Like, it makes sense she's just graduated high school because she's at university. Yes. I like how that, like, well, yeah, that would make sense. Um, but, yeah, she's obviously, she's going to be the youngest uh, ever women's champion in NXT or, indeed, WWE history if she can defeat Tiffany Stratton next week. And they're kind of obviously trying to suggest that, like, she might not have all of the experience, but she's got the fighting spirit and all that sort of stuff. Um, there's a point at which... Uh, Jalad Dempsey's like, oh, God, what, what are we doing with these guys, Drew? Um, but their teaching will be paid off by the end of the segment um, because Tiffany Stratton comes out to interrupt. She says she's dumb to even think she's got a chance next week. Tiffany Stratton's just getting started. Um, and then Duke Hudson leaps her defence. Um, Thea Hale leaves it in the ring every single week in a way that you can never understand. Um, Tiffany Stratton says, well, when it comes to leave it in the ring, I'm better than you in every respect. I won't leave you and I won't tap out, which is very convenient, Sage, because as we saw last week, um, Charlie Dempsey and Drew Gulak have taught her the Kimura, yes. and she locks it on Tiffany Stratton, who then furiously taps as everybody in the pep rally goes wild, and uh, Thea Hale is all set and good to go. She's doing scrappy-do laps around the whole group with the belt as the segment comes to a close, and Tiffany Stratton's selling the arm. 
Uh, do you feel like a title change is coming? No, but no, this is either. quite entertaining in and of itself. Um, Thea Hale playing off Stratton's heel promo. She's very good. Mm-hmm. She's very committed to the character. Like, she's not very good. She's very <laughs> committed to the character. And she's people, 19. You know, yeah, so, yeah, and people really like her. Mm-hmm. Um, she's got something. Um, I, again, um, Bernie Sanders meme. I am once again asking you to just simply put Duke Ro- Hudson on the main roster as a babyface, away from the trappings of this mid-card ceiling group, and have him play it earnestly. Because when he has this rousing delivery and he's trying to sell people on the idea that Thea Hale mm-hmm. is going to win the match, he's, he's talking me into a building that he doesn't really want me to enter. And it's like, just go on the main roster and just have him cut these promos. He's great. Yeah. Delivery just seems like the nicest bloke. I've got a good face to be a face. Yeah, that's yeah. not Duke Hudson to be somebody. I keep going back and forth on this. You know, we assume that the heel turn had to come. It was just destined that he was going to turn. Have they put Drew Gulak and Charlie Dempsey in and then positioned Andre Chase as not answering Duke's calls for Andre Chase to have been watching and think, I like them two more than you, and Duke to stay a baby face and chase you to turn heel? Duke Hudson's been nothing but supportive of Thea Hill after he was kind of, like, ignoring her for a while. Yeah. Have they pivoted a little bit, do you think, for that? Maybe, because, like, if you look at films and movies... I, I do. Yeah, Every yeah. Tuesday and Friday, mainly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Bloodline, motion picture. <laughs> right. There is the trope. And um, we see it. We've seen it in so many different films. Um, off the top of my head... Bad Santa's one of them. Okay. Where someone is a curmudgeon, they do something with a bad, sinister motive, and then they just come around, mm. and they decide to do this thing for good. Um, like... That's the whole ass Grinch, isn't it? The Grinch. Yeah. And then you've got Bad Santa. There's probably countless other examples of someone who walks into, like, a new job when they're down on their luck, but it turns out this new world... Might be the thing that saves their soul. Old Man Champa redebuting on Raw. Yes. Um, community, Jeff Winger. Yeah, He's the lawyer, the cool guy who was caught. This is a sitcom, if you've not seen it. It's really good. Um, mostly, till it falls off. Everything in life falls off. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> where Jeff Winger plays this really cool lawyer guy. But it's discovered that he faked... Um, his undergrad degree before he passed the bar. So he has to go back to, and he's got no money left and all the rest of it, his lifestyle's gone. So he has to go back to a community college, earn his degree, and then get back into the law firm. But along the way, he finds himself. And it's like, it's a really cool subversion of yeah. that story. They could be telling this with on with uh, Duke Hudson. Yeah. Where he has his plans to, for whatever reason, take <laughs> over a wrestling university for nefarious means. But, you know, somewhere along the way, his soul is cleansed. And he realizes, you know what? This is the way to be. I'd love that to happen. I would prefer it if they just used this man who's been in developmental for years, mm-hmm. who can go, who can talk, who can act within the WWE standard. And just put him on the main roster and try and make a star out of the guy. I'd prefer that way instead. He was, memorably, if you were listening to this podcast, of course, a bizarre and brief feature in the pandemic era of Monday Night Raw. And speaking of bizarre and brief features in the pandemic era of Monday Night Raw, there's one of those coming later on this very podcast. I'm looking forward to talking about that. Um, 
check out, just search Where's Vink if you want to learn about uh, yeah. his, his, his OG law with this podcast. Um, but also, speaking of stables that we're kind of trying to work out where things are going, you've got this Duke Hudson, Andre Chase, etc. drama. There's also some going on in the root of the hear you. Oh, God. Joe Gacy, at long last, has realised that uh, what if it's me? What if I'm the problem? And like Rip Fowler and Mick Jagger kind of agree at this point. They're like, we're, we're having bangers. Like, we seem to be recognised as good wrestlers again. But Ava, is Ava Rain? I don't know. She's never said her She's Rock's daughter. She steps in. I can do that one. She steps in and she's like, no, Joe. No, Joe. We're uh, still one tree with four roots. Yeah, it's all good. Says it as the most normal thing. Yeah, no. any, any friend has ever said to another. So, aye. She's exploding. Yeah, jism is it's all apart. <laughs> Scattered jism. <laughs> and um the diamond mine want to be the ones to wipe Jism off NXT once and for all. They're the ones who are gonna wipe down the loads. Yeah. To quote <laughs> one of the most gross uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia lines. Yep. Good. They're gonna it's run the th- time, they're gonna run the thick ropes. It's about time that these talented performers Something that isn't this to do because this is a joke. In fact, it's not. It doesn't even qualify as a joke. It's like the QTV material. It doesn't qualify as a joke. This because it can't even be memed because this show has such minimal reach. Yes. It's not even like a punchline. It's not even a meme. It's not even like a laughing stock mm-hmm. because no one's laughing at the stock. Yeah, very good. There's one guy that penetrates that, and we're going to get to him later on because he's presumably finished penetrating his therapist now. Yes, I'm excited for that. Um, right. Just a quick segment here, and I would understand if you had no thoughts on it, because I got them last week. Uh, Bird person, having had a backstage tete-a-tete with JC Jane last week, where they really didn't really get along with one another, goes up to her backstage, I'm like, what's what's the problem? Why don't we get along? And Jane's like, eh, it was just, just locker room talk, it's fine. And uh, Bird person's not having any of it. So she's like, oh, I don't think you're all, altogether truthful, JC Jane. And then she leaves, and Jane's like, I should have kicked her in the face. Just the same as last week then, basically. Yeah. They've yeah. just bought themselves one more week for the long-awaited JC Chain Bird person showdown. Yeah. What was this? No, I don't know. I've seen it. The last week's show. Yeah. Um, speaking of last week's show, we were big fans of uh, Idris Nofi and Malik Blades. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, match that how it was way better than it had any right to be, considering how stupid we've agreed this storyline is about... Who's the best tag team? We're going to prove it by trying to batter each other and ruin our momentum story. And potentially, you know... Injure each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And take ourselves out of title yeah, contention. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a dumbass plot. However, we might have arrived at a pretty cool conclusion here because by Idris Nofi Malik Bleard... Malik Bleard Malik Bleard. Malik Bleard. Um, match being the best... Imagine anyone from, like, anywhere talking about these wrestlers and their regional accent. <laughs> it sounds weird because you, you could say something like... Um, could he, could Malik, could this be like me and you, right? Could you be Malik Bleard and I'll be Adris, Adris, Adris Anofe? Well, like, I've told the story on this podcast before about how I uh, went to a WWF house show in 1999. Yeah. And it was The Undertaker <laughs> versus, it was either Boss Man, but I think Austin might have worked Boss Man. Either way, The Undertaker was in the ring. Yeah. And um, I was four rows ringside. It was a really cool <laughs> seat. Height of the Attitude Era. It was a really uh-huh. fond memory. And uh, it was just a guy, middle-aged, heavy-set, proper Geordie, 
who just loved The Undertaker so much, right? And my prevailing memory is that it wasn't even on first name terms. <laughs> he, had, he had a nickname, The Dead Man, and he kept saying over and over again, knowing, hopefully, that it was a work, that it was all predetermined, that, you know, The Undertaker's not going to lose a house show match, so you don't really have to, yeah. you know... He's not, he's not Ricky Morton in there. No, he would have been a heel at the time too, wouldn't he? As well, so yeah. like it, the fans probably weren't with him. But he's, this guy was just a. So he's like, he didn't. He wasn't Ricky Morton in there, didn't he? Didn't he? Your support. <laughs> you're forty years old, I think. <laughs> For all of these reasons, what you're doing is weird. And he kept, come on, UT. Oh, hey, UT. Come on, UT. I love how hey, UT. Oh, hey, UT. Come on, knock him, Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know who did call Undertaker UT a lot? It's Finn Martin of Power Slam. Yes. Beloved between the pair of us. But like you wonder if that was uh, influenced by that. Potentially. Potentially. Nah. Undy. Undy. Undy was another one. Um, I says, come on, UT. Come on, UT. And it just struck me there. Go on. Malik Blade. <laughs> Can you imagine anyone in any regional accent being aware of these characters on this absolutely bizarre show that kind of does and doesn't exist? <sighs> Do you remember that like hypothetical... Um, Whenever there was a debate, forums more than Twitter. What, Gacy? Yeah, hi, Gacy, man. Hi, Gacy, knock him out. You have a rain. Um, come on, Jack, I say, come on. <laughs> no one talks about this, so the idea of people doing it in their in their dialects is just insane to me. Some Raji's on the back of the world. Excuse me, man. Excuse me, class. No, man, diamond mine. Yeah, man, you know that Eva Rain, man, she's Stone Cold's daughter. <laughs> no, man, no, man, no, man, that's a rocks, man. No, man. Chris Jericho, he's not even on anymore. He's WCW. Um, <laughs> or one of them, him and Jim Ross. I didn't watch me. Um, anyway, <laughs> it's a minor leagues, man. It's like it's like League Two. How are they? Not even on Sky. Um This was the tag match payoff to all of this, and it wasn't half bad, actually. Um, just a spot fest, nothing more. Um, it's Briggs and Jensen versus Hank and Tank versus Adrian Huffing and Millie Blade. They've all had their big individual matches, and now they're going to determine who the number one contender is. And Blade and Huffy win. Um, it's notable mostly for this awesome Hank and Tank, uh, like Vader bombs to the floor. Yeah. That kicked ass. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't know. Those I'm, guys rule. I must have seen it, but I don't think I have. And I think- well, as I say, when Hank and Tank do it, you're like, "Oh my God!" Wrestlers that are stupid enough to come up with that, and it feels like it's theirs. Like it's theirs now. Yeah, like yeah, they've yeah. like got that's got to be the Hank and Tank bomb because like I don't know anyone else that would like the character needs to be. It's a bit like when um, uh, the Creeds just go raj in their comeback spot. It's like there aren't many babyface comeback spots quite like the Creeds because there's not many babyfaces that are willing to be that stupid. It's like dumb jock babyface energy. And I feel like Hank and Tank have found one with this particular spot. All yeah. it requires is four people to roll to the floor to make it work. Honestly, man, and I don't even think I'm being facetious here, the NXT tag team division is probably better than AEW's at this point. It's not half bad, is it? One, they've actually got one. Yeah. <laughs> like, the Guns versus the Hardys. Trust me, later on today on the AEW preview, I have got some thoughts on that, man. Uh, yeah. I, don't, I just... Re- this a fun, stupid, fast blur... Yes, we should notice. Of dumb jock moves. You know if he nails that, like, gorgeous frog splash, and they get the win. They've got their tag title shot. And again, this sort of feels, to your point about it being the tag division, um, like, you have got, obviously, Gallus as the champion, so it's the worst-case scenario when you've spent time putting over a tag division. It's like, oh, now they've got to fight Gallus. doesn't feel like a payoff. But then you had, like, Humberto Carrillo and Angel Garza that also want a bit of all this. 
So there's more great. I love ma- how they want a bit of it. Yeah. Why? A <laughs> little bit of this. Like, but there's like an, another great match to come there. That's ignoring the Creeds too. And I just think like Blade and Ophi have. So what's really impressed me is that their work has elevated fundamentally really terrible material. Oh. So they've like the tag title match feels like everything literally on the show is bad. Yeah. Or boring. The tag title match feels earned. Like in reality, let alone Kayfabe, because the Kayfabe was stupid. I've really enjoyed watching them wrestle and progress through this dumb story. Yeah, me too. And that's, that, that, that impressed me a little bit. Uh, it doesn't impress girls. We'll see you next time. We'll see yeah. you next time. And then you're going to have to, you're going to have to survive a war with the gallus boys. They might not say Joe Coffee, but we'll get to that. Um, I wish that was a shoot. Anyway, speaking of shooting, right, uh, Damon Kemp. He's picked his storyline against Eddie Thorpe. He goes, um, I should say, by the way, he, uh, he goes to catch Eddie Thorpe after a week of deliberating on what his decision is going to be. I'm very excited to reveal. Uh, but Eddie Thorpe's busy, isn't he? Like all normal. He's backstage DJing to absolutely nobody in, in, an, in an empty locker room. Just practicing, though. Just practicing, yeah. Just getting his reps in. Getting his reps in to... <laughs> this looked so funny. This looked so funny. WWE has been obsessed for decades now. With these backstage segments, they try so hard to make it look busy that it looks emptier. We talk about the parties where they all drink normal drinks. It's like, come on, guys, you're just enjoying yourself. Looks you like a cup of normal drink. Yeah, come on, have a, have a red cup of normal drink with me. Like, chug that normal drink. Don't they just say chug in the films? Not on this. Chug yeah, that, that normal, normal drink. drink. Like, they always dress the set with wrestlers stood there. There's an excruciating one in the locker room with Eddie Thorpe and Gable Stevenson. More on him later, where like the wrestlers have to look to be having locker room talk yes. in the background, think like having sharing reflections on Raw Underground. But they just you can't take your eyes off them because it looks so phony and fake. Like the Coronation Street Rovers return extras drinking that apple juice, pretend to drink pints, are more realistic than the NXT background actors. There is not a single living soul in the backstage area as Eddie Thorpe is like closing his eyes, clenching his fists, and like, I've nailed this one. I've nailed this I've one. I've absolutely nailed I, this if one. If I can just time this beat drop when I make it to the clubs, yeah. then these people are going to be in rapt anticipation when I finally drop that beat. They're going to go <laughs> ballistic. I think I've nailed the timing of this because you can't take the pace. But if you don't build and build and build and build and build, then there's no anticipation. People won't lose their minds if you get the timing wrong. I've nailed it. It is already ridiculous that these people are two things. Wrestlers yeah. and bird people, DJs, mafiosos. Art lovers. Art lovers, university students, like everything. <laughs> Why would you take it to work? <laughs> no. Why would you take your decks to work no, and be backstage? Like, surely the implication is, I'll just do this in my personal time. <laughs> yeah. it, Gives you a very one-dimensional glimpse into my character that, you know, I like to just be a DJ. What's that got to do with anything? Like, just imagining Eddie Thorpe in his car, right? Just, he's got the DJ set up in the boot. Um, and he just takes it out, and he just sets it up backstage, and he just starts to DJ backstage. Like, just do it at home! It's so weird, isn't it? Do it at home! Do- Disc Jackie, I cannot see any physical media, <laughs> and you are not riding a horse. Yeah. <laughs> make it make sense. Anyway, speaking of making sense, um, the reason Damon Kemp has taken a week, Sige, is because he is selected for his stipulation rematch against Eddie Thorpe. Raw Underground. What? Right? Like, have I been drinking too much coffee this morning, or is that why I'm feeling sick, sick, sick? Say, oh my God, sick. Because, Ron, I, I don't know if our podcast is still in the archives. Check them out if you can of our living weekly experience of Raw Underground. I'm a nightmare. 
But yeah, it was the worst time, but sort of the best when you watch them at now because we all got through the pandemic at least. It's like, oh. Well, it's ongoing. Yeah. Let's talk about the follow-up segment here as well because I've already alluded to it. This cringeworthy locker room bit where like having been given 20 minutes to consider the ramifications of Raw Underground, he's uh, doing what nobody in the history of the human race has done. Watch 2020 Raw's back on the WWE Network. I- <laughs> To scout what on earth Raw Underground. Fair play to him. I believe he wasn't watching. Uh, so I remember the numbers at the time. So he's watching Raw Underground on his phone and like all the locker room guys are like, oh, oh man, oh man. You're oh, in, that's dangerous. You're in the deep water here. <laughs> but, uh, somebody's throwing him a lifeline in the deep water. It's Gable Stevenson because uh, I ain't never done Raw Underground and I know a thing or two about Damon Kemp. Uh, do you get what he's doing? Love this bit. I hope every... Uh, UFC fighter, MMA guy, smashed their TV screen at Eddie Thorpe, seriously delivering the line, yeah, I'm probably going to set up a two-week fight camp. <laughs> like, Fortnite, knock out. No worries. And uh, Gable Stevens is going to help him, Sid. What could possibly go wrong with this set of circumstances? First of all, I hate Gable Stevenson. Yeah. Stevenson. Stevenson, so, sorry. Yeah. So it's good. Oh, I apologise, he's an arsehole. <laughs> so it's kind of good that he's given material to rip the piss out of. There's genuinely a big story here. Genuinely, they've given up on him. Yep. That was kind of the indication. Like, he came out of WrestleMania. He did that thing with Kurt Angle. Didn't have it. Did not have it whatsoever. This is their tacit admission, and it's fairly a big story, that they've given up on Gable Stevenson, who was touted as the next Brock Lesnar slash Kurt Angle. Might have even been a better wrestler than all of them or whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. it's certainly on par. Like, better than... Brock, who never went to the Olympic level. Mm-hmm. Kurt won the won a broken fucking <laughs> neck. Won a bail. Won the Olympic bail. But like Stevenson did and all the rest of it. Um so this is like their huge, huge investment. Like months of negotiations, those deals where they go to visit the family. Yeah. Say like when he's gonna be a star, he's gonna be a star, he's gonna be a star, he's going to be a star. And his dad says, Have you met him? It's going to be a star. It's going to be a star. It's like, no, it's, he's, like, he's paint dry. It's paint drying. Damon's all right. Let's have a chat with Damon. Yeah. <laughs> so these things take ages, and they he, he's going to have come at an absolutely exorbitant sum of money because given how legitimately skilled he is as a wrestler, like a phenom, mm. he could have went to the UFC. Yeah. He, in fact, is or was flirting with the idea of just doing it again. And he's debuting... On NXT, when they surely would have thought, you know, debuting this muck, we're going to instantly give you the rocket, Gable Stevenson. The idea that he's now in an NXT storyline is not good for his prospects, and that is a major story. That is an indication to me that this guy is dead in the water as a prospect, and they are trying. This is like a last throw of the dice. Mm. Get the guy on telly. If we can just put him in the the deep end-ish of just, right, he's useless, we might as well see if he can just do it when he's there, sort of thing, on the job training, because the off-the-job has not gone well. This guy is so useless <laughs> that he... So he goes up to um, Eddie Thorpe, shakes his hand, and says, I'll help you out. If anyone knows a thing or two about Damon Kemp, his real-life brother, mm-hmm. it is me. Yeah. Now... He kind of looks funny at Eddie Thorpe when he walks away. And I don't know, because this man is so useless, <laughs> whether it's meant to be a sinister soap opera shot 
where it's like, oh, this person has evil intentions. Yeah. And you can tell because we are doing a close-up shot of his face doing the evil look. Or if that's just his face and it's useless. Can you remember when he was um, parading around backstage with Kurt Angle on that episode of SmackDown? Oh, God, yeah. And he, who did he run into? Was it with Strowman? Hey, man. Yeah. I hope you know, I might kick your ass one day to see who's better. I look forward to you, man. That was Strowman talking <laughs> yeah, I... to Gable Stevenson. And, and Stevenson was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> like, absolutely terrified of the camera in his face. Like, yeah, yeah, okay. And he just looked funny. And has walked away because he's just not a natural. He's got no idea what he's doing. He's got no presence. He's so timid. He did that, again, because he's useless. He's absolutely hopeless. He's got no chance whatsoever. But I couldn't tell if that was him doing the sinister soap opera face or if he's just naturally a very sinister, like, Imagine, right? weird guy. I don't, me and you have both admitted that, like, we find on-camera stuff more of a struggle than sat here with the cameras oh, off. Yeah, and it's yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. a skill. It's a massive, massive skill. An underrated one at that. huge imposter syndrome when I have to be on. Yeah, like staring down the red light and that, all that stuff's real. If there was one thing in wrestling beyond getting smashed with Jeff Jarrett's guitar that I feel like I could react naturally to without any direction, it would be the sight of Kurt Angle stood, what, three feet away from me, blasting everybody with a milk cannon. How is that not going to make your face just like be the most animated face you've yeah. ever pulled? He basically no-sold it. He stood next to him, not knowing how to react to a milk cannon. Milk, huh? Uh-huh. Wow. Sure took a lot of cows to get that much milk. <laughs> I, I just, he was thinking. Like, be in the moment, Gable. Yeah, he's got now about him. Like, absolutely now about him. There are people in life who I'm impressed by how boring they are. Kurt Angle's Wikipedia page. Chad Gable's name. Neither of their various abilities. Yes, I know. <laughs> like, Mad in it. Oh, well. I should say, Eddie Thorpe was DJing to one person, wasn't he? Because Roxanne Perez stormed past the scene, and then it turned out it's because she decked Blair Davenport, but uh, Blair Davenport quite likes it. Yeah. That means her plans worked, if, actually. I love the pain. She's another one who loves the pain. Everyone loves the pain. I love the pain. Real quiz. Right. Um, did you bring your tissues into this podcast? Because it's about to get pretty emotional. Or, or conspiratorial. Um, Nathan Frazier, very pleased. With oh, I thought you were talking about the other emotional. Christian oh, yeah, that's the cup. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Um, Nathan Frazier is very pleased with his Heritage Cup, and he's just hanging around backstage, being weird. And uh, he walks into Seth Rollins' mm-hmm. dressing room. Seth's buzzing for all of Nathan's success. Uh, tells him to have fun with the Troy. It's like a, a nice moment, and a nod and a wink to those that know the train. And like, he's so yeah. proud of him. It's just. Really great that, like, he's was he's just making great decisions and, like, you know, help other people that have helped you and all that kind of thing. And it's just Nathan Fraser radiates such an odd energy. Yeah, it's really awkward. Um, and Kamala Hayes and Trick Williams are next in. In this, because this is more. Well, I don't know. It's interesting. Nathan Fraser reminds me of someone that my missus used to know at school. Uh-huh. Right where. Nathan Fraser strikes me as a guy who would just be quite happy-go-lucky. Like this. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 
we go any further, though, this podcast is brought to you by Rocket Money. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you've got no idea where it's going? Well, it's all those subscriptions. I mean, think about it. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it is endless. I'm guilty of this, so I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on, and it was more shocking than a wrestling betrayal. You see, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in cancelled subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. That's rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Surface level of just nice, amiable, mm. and then he can, I reckon he can just snap in a way that you just couldn't expect. Like this guy, right? What's happened to Ben? So, <laughs> just like one of those awkward moments I've ever experienced in my entire life. So I was out with Frances and um, like a couple of her mates that were like six-form mates, mm. and they'd met up, and I was like, ah, Francis is fella and all the rest of it. And so this one guy turned up and um, tried to shake the guy <laughs> after a certain point. He came for the meal, uh. and then we thought, all right, okay. He was always nice. I can't remember the guy's name. We'll call him Tom. Okay. Tom was always nice. Maybe he's a bit much. We'll try and shake him and go for a pint. Uh, yeah. And then him. So we've gone for the meal, and we'll <laughs> we're walking down like Dean Street or, or wherever, and we're all going, right, time to get the Metro. And this guy, he was like this amiable guy, just turned around and went, no, you're not, you're going to another pub. <gasps> oh, God. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, I don't know what I thought you were going to say there, but it wasn't that. No, you're not, you're going to another pub. Oh, what do you do? What do you do? You get the Metro and arrange another night without him. Oh, my God. It was excruciating, man. Well, that's our podcast because I can't speak anymore. He's like, well, you knew exactly what was going on. Uh, you know, you got to another pub. <laughs> God almighty. <laughs> Imagine the, you know, million, every every timeline, every universe. Imagine the one where it's like, all right, yeah, well, I'll go get the Metro. And then you think he's gotten on a Metro, so you go to leave and he's waiting at the pub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was on the Metro, did you? Oh, man, this, that's just, my stomach hurts. <laughs> we'll try and plow forward, like, no, Sidgwick. That was nice. Well, no, that the pain I am experiencing off the back of that story is real. Unlike Dana Brooks. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> because we are here. It is Cora Jade versus Dana Brooks. My knee. Uh, a matter of respect, sir, as Paul Heyman would build ECW pay-per-views in the mid-90s. Because last week, of course, um, Dana Brooke was cutting a promo about how she was excited to be on NXT. And then little Cora Jade, thinking she's a big star, comes over and they have words and there's a slap exchange. So we're going to have the match tonight, the fight. Um, however, unfortunately for Dana Brooke, she um, uh, lands off a... Uh, like a Appears to be like off a, a drop kick or a running kick, and like there's a little tweak in there. It's quite that isn't actually that bad as a sophisticated little. I'll tweak a little bit, but I'm going to keep working because I'm going to beat some respect into her. Um, but she carries on and goes for her patented handspring elbow and goes down screaming, My knee, my knee, my knee. Like, I get why Wilborn sometimes in that chair 
needs a bit of clarity from you on this one. I've watched a lot of wrestling in my time, but sometimes, much like Gigi Dolan's murals, mm-hmm. the art is simply too sophisticated for me to pick up. You are a, very, a man of very sophisticated taste, Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was wrong with Dana Brooke in this moment? She hurt her knee. Ah! Oh. <laughs> yeah. That's why she kept saying, my knee. Oh, oh my knee. Sometimes, like, what does wrestling do? Like, just... Uh. Anyway, <laughs> so the ref uh, wants to call it. They bring out a stretcher, but she flashed. Medical assistance, no thanks. Actually, she refuses it, um, and then <laughs> Cora Jade uh, goes in for the kill and puts a half crab on, locks a half crab on. She's screaming about the knee, like I'm having uh, Bret Hart, Steve Austin flashbacks because Austin will not give up, uh, and nor will Dana Brooke. And then the referee just calls it on her behalf. Disgusting. Like Brooke would have fought on. I also would be remiss in this review if I didn't mention that as this emotional industry-defining moment in the NXT Women's Division was taking place, heel Cora Jade wrenching back on the injured knee of Dana Brooke, the incredibly forgiving and loyal, let's be honest, cast members Yes, in the 2.0 dome screamed, tap, tap, tap at babyface Dana Brooke. Oh, what? God, I felt so sorry for her, man. I've got right. Dark sense of humor. Mm. I can just be a bit cutting. I know this. Um, I just I felt sorry for her. Like, I've got a big heart as well. I'm a complicated guy. <laughs> <laughs> and these, these are your things. things. Cutting with a big heart. Yes. So I flit between thinking things are funny and like... Having like a lot of empathy, yeah. And I just felt sorry for her. That's the human experience, I think. That's She's nice, trying to tell yeah. the story of my knee, <laughs> and these people. It's I don't blame them. Like, how stupid is the idea? It sounds like these two things just don't go together. Yeah, Dana Brooke WrestleMania 13 finish. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's stupid. It's a joke, and no one bought it. And they laughed at it. And do you think they were saying tap out the goodness of their hearts? It's not worth it, Dana. Tap, tap. And then if you just save yourself from excruciating pain and a debilitating injury, you can come back to fight for our hearts next week. The real meaning of the chant is in parentheses, Dana. Yes. No, they just said they just said tap because they knew this was... Uh, Dana Brooke WrestleMania 13 is insulting. Oh, my God. Yet again... Character, just reacting to it, mm. is uh, someone who's a bit out of a depth. Yeah. Ten years into the job. <laughs> yeah. It's so... It's one of the low-key, most mean-spirited things they've done in this promotion's horrible history. She said last week, like, I'm, I'm back on NXT to... She's deluded. ...show people what I've learned. And it's like, you can't do Ms. Wikipedia thing because there's nothing to read. And uh, like the character is someone who's hopelessly out of her depth. It, this is the character. Yeah. Right. Hopelessly out of her depth, in the wrong job, deluded, and just is enabled to keep doing something that she's clearly not skilled at. This is the character. This is the story. She can't go through a match without injuring herself. She is... She barely gets, like, a consistent run on TV. Her character is, I will just... You know when people say, I just, I, my character is, I won't give up. Yeah. And it's right, okay, well, you know, I might get bested on the mat. 
I get downed in the odd match once or twice, but I'm never going to give up. Yeah. I'm just too fightingist to do that. Yeah. Her, she'll never give up trying to learn like an early curriculum in wrestling school. It's like she's she's just repeating the semester yeah. for, for a semester over and over and over again. It's like the, this is the character. Like this is the character. I've watched Dana Brooke work <coughs> five minute matches on like main event that really weren't bad. Like, like at a level beyond something we're going to see later on on this show. Mm-hmm. Can she not just be like a glorified? You know, Lombardi, Hamrick, like just, yeah. someone who, just someone who's employed to do jobs in five-minute matches that are, to her credit, save. She's got, a, I think, a spotless injury record. Yeah. Can she not just do that? Is, is, it, is it not cruel to put her in this role where she's just hopeless? Mm. It's She's a, a, a fruit that will never go ripe. That is her character. Uh, they could make her like a shoot member of Chase U and position her as having less about her than the 19-year-old title contender next week. She's like the Piers Hawthorne. Yeah. Dude <laughs> just keeps going to school over and over again. That NXT community thing is getting too tight, isn't yeah. it? It's like Sean just started watching. Is he binging on Netflix? It's like, hey, wait a minute. It's just odd. It's the most odd, odd thing. And the thing is, they're trying throughout this to recruit the most athletically gifted NIL athletes. Yeah. Which is the worst advert for this company's developmental system ever. Yeah. That's a character. She was like, in, uh, was it like gymnastics and bodybuilding and stuff, stuff that she could actually yeah. do really well, and you can tell that from her entrance. But like, it's... A character is the worst possible advert for this multi-million dollar facility that somehow has not been shuttered. Aye. And just, you know, because this is... Uh, what I like about this, by the way, is that we're not going... We're not, like, just reducing ourselves to just mean-spirited digs, uh, which is... Abs- character. Which I've seen a bit today, yeah. This is a stupid character that's been badly booked. And from an analytical point of view, on top of what I think is a very reasonable assessment message, like, the main event of this show was based around... This is a bit of like a... Like you would never do this with the men. The male world champion going in with very, very injured ribs and then attempting to do moves in spite of those. Yes. Directly in spite of those be- to show that he's just got more fighting experience than the guy still on NXT. Theoretically, that's Dana Brooks' role, isn't it? Yes. And they've done this on the same it's show as that. They were both on NXT within like a year, year and a half of each other. And there's, I'm not comparing them as wrestlers, yeah. but you know what I mean? Like they're the, con- the story's supposed to be the same. I don't even know that it's a self-indictment, a cell phone. They don't realise that. Definitely yeah. not. Definitely not. They're thinking... Man, Cora J is going to get the rub ski off this. Yeah. Is she? Yeah. Or is all anybody's talking about today in relation to this? The weird Dana Brooke. The fans didn't even care when she was potentially going to be stretched yeah. out. Not ideal, is it? Yeah. Um, but it's okay. Because it's uh, time to uh, get back to Cineworld. Because Von Wagner well. and Mr. Stone are sat in an empty venue, which frankly, that place looks bigger empty than it does full. I'd have believed they were in like... The top deck. In terms of empty seats, I believe they're in the top deck of the United Centre on Saturday rather than in the uh, like NXT Performance Centre place. So, Mr. Stone says, like, I didn't write the, all the exact, exact dialogue down with there, but he's thinking. I love his exhales. Hey, Vaughn, what's the deal with the brain surgery? And Vaughn effectively says, 
brain surgery. <laughs> After weeks and weeks and weeks, right? He had a skull operation as a child, which we could see from the picture. And apparently Mr. Sun couldn't put this together, even though we all could. I didn't write down the exact term, but he had a serious condition, obviously, when he was younger. The doctors were able to fix it when he was just 15 months old. Look, we've got kids. Imagine I, I can't Im- imagine Imagine this. your 15-month-old going in for, like, cranial surgery. Like, all of this as a shoot. Like, we've enjoyed the ups and downs, the trials and tribulations of Von Wagner character. I would be amazed if this didn't work, if you consider the target demographic. I'd buy the hell out of the guy. The NXT audience is going to have more parents than not. Let's look at the age demo, right? So immediately, you see that picture of little baby Vaughn, like, with his skull operated on, and imagine your own kid at 15 months, or your life with a 15-month-old going under the risky surgical procedure. Um, this one's start being really entertaining. As I know, well. man. 15 months, and, like, they've had, Walking, like, they're talking. They've had to give them the full Shabbat. They're uh, laughing, they're giggling. Lid off. Pull the skull lid off. Like, then pull the, like, the... Brain f- Was his, like, his face had to be full down so they could, like, fix his skull. Like, his scar. Jesus Christ, it's, it's like this. so traumatic, isn't it? You know, yeah. it's like a beefcake parasailing fix on a 15-month-old. Yes. And he's here to tell the tale. Incredible story. Like, didn't know if he was going to make it. Like, he was scarred really badly as a kid. So the kids used to call him a monster. The parents, like, other parents wouldn't let him play uh, with Vaughn. Um, you know, it's hard enough when his dad was a frigging Beverly brother on TV. <laughs> this, is I like, know. this is the one thing we didn't want to happen. Um, and then, like, Mr. Stone's like, uh, like, oh, yeah, well, thanks, Vaughn, you finally told me. I've got, like, as you can imagine, a lot more questions about this. That's enough about that for today, Mr. Stone. <laughs> so, like, he's finally got the breakthrough. It's like, no, that's all I'm prepared to tell you. It's all the key information that you absolutely could have inferred from when you saw this picture six goddamn months ago. Um, but what was really quite sweet off this was um, Von Wagner earnestly thanking Robert Stone for helping him reach this point emotionally. And it got me thinking, Sage, about the law of Robert Stone. Yes. And how every client he's ever had has lost under his management and stewardship right so every time that that, every time a character has lost under robert stone what have they ended up doing they've ended up kicking robert stone at the curb yes they've ended up making a mockery of him because to be fair he has not steered their career in the right direction we take the piss out of this show and indeed von wagner and sorry not von wagner but the von wagner gimmick almost every week but have they in this segment absolutely nailed this because after years of Von Wagner being bullied in school for his uh, surgery that he has survived showing his mental and physical toughness and after years of Robert Stone being this abused figure uh, despite all of his he has the client's best wishes at heart and then it just goes wrong and he made a mockery of time and time and time again life finds a way and these two have found each other. Yes. And there's something really quite powerful about that. And Dijak's going to come in and be like, you're a stupid idiot. You look better when your brain was half out. And then, like, yeah. oh, my, he's going to be, like, be very Dijak about it. I, I thought, I look stupid with my sunglasses on inside. And then I saw your baby pictures or whatever. And then Vaughn's going to kick his ass. And it's going to be this incredible moment of redemption for the pair of them. I love that idea. Right. And I genuinely, I think that's, I've got maybe a facetious conspiracy theory coming on. Um, But I love the idea because I genuinely, like, I know the show is stupid. I know that this is a very cynical ploy to get me to like one of the characters in this stupid show. I sympathize with Von Wagner so much. Mm -hmm. And I'm, he's 
charmed me. This bond with the this two of them is so real, yeah, isn't it? Like, like, like I'll buy yeah. it. I want to see now. It's like, right, give me six months of this, whatever. I want, like, Robert Stone and Lee Von Wagner at the title for the pair of them. Yes. They deserve this. I need this. It's I'm more heartbreaking if he fails and Robert Stone turns on him. I'm so stressed about that. Yes. Like, so they've got me completely on the hook here. Right. So that's the nice, oh, hopefully realistic thing. Right? Uh, okay. I've kind of got another... Because the way it's done, it's so, it's so popular, it's so schlocky, it's like with Robert Stone's exhale, right, okay. The way they've done it, it's so ham-fisted that you can't, I personally can't help but think of like this unintentional comedy of everything this guy yeah. does. So he's like, Yvonne, what's this? Hey, no, go back to that scrapbook, Vaughn. What's that? I don't want to talk about that, Robert. What is it? Or, uh, did you not understand what I was saying? <laughs> what, like, Vaughn, what did, Vaughn, what's that? And it's the picture of the, like, the, the scar yeah. around the cranium of the baby. It's a it's horrific, alluring image. So Robert Stone needles this guy who's clearly got an anger management issue, which is all driven from the trauma of his childhood. So he risks getting punched in the face. He risks getting turned on. He risks... Losing his client, who he thinks is the next best thing, like for his financial interests. Yeah. Okay, he will not let it lie. He would not let it lie. Vaughn, <laughs> what's with the picture? Yeah. What's with the picture, Vaughn? He orchestrates at great expense because he was giving these people money, 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 money. Various visits to a lot of to multiple psychiatrists. Yes, one of whom Von Wagner ends up banging. <laughs> yeah, so he's paying through the nose. He's just constantly talking about what they. What's with this picture, Vaughn? He's obsessed with this picture, right? And then he finally gets what he wants. He gets Vaughn to open up. Aww. And then he keeps saying, so Vaughn, what's with the picture? Come on, it's time. So Vaughn explains, I had really complicated, scary, traumatic brain surgery as a child. The um, scars from which made bullies be horrible to me at school for a long, long time. Yeah. And that's maybe why I'm so guarded, and that's why I'm so prone prone to fits of anger. That's why I don't trust people. Or He tells them, and then Robert Stone is still going, I need to know more, Vaughn. That's enough for this week, Robert. Stone's like, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Wait, it. He's been told... What more could he possibly need from this? Which leads me to think that he's got a kink for surgery. Oh, yes. So this is like his... He's, I'm going to get to fourth base this week. Yeah. And then he's been held on third again. It's a bit weird because there's a baby involved. Maybe <laughs> just loves to know about surgical procedures. Of course. Because he just is like, Vaughn, how sharp was the scalpel? <laughs> what? How many stitches, Vaughn? I watched with great interest during J.D. McDonough's NXT run, but now he's left. And <laughs> yeah, I'm absolutely yeah. jonesing for some surgical talk, Vaughn. What more could he possibly want? That's, I, I did say, that's enough for today. It's, it's everything it's every, for today. It's Robert Stone, what, what more could Robert Stone want from this? Oh, man. You've got me quite like... <laughs> Robert Stone and Dijak, like, right, should we get the Metro? Then about right, I was like, you're going to another pub. <laughs> yeah. Do you think... Uh, <laughs> Robert Stone just sticks around because we've got all the ACL surgeries. (laughs) 
What more could he possibly want is my very long-winded, facetious way of arriving at this plot hole. He doesn't think Vaughn's finished unloading yet. But, I mean... Richard has to say that. (laughs) (laughs) But he has. We've got it all. (laughs) I know. know. Got more than my money's worth. How much of your face was hanging off? (laughs) Really talk me through it. I just don't know what he could possibly want. Name me one of your teachers so I can check him out on Facebook. <laughs> oh, man. That was substantially more entertaining than Carmelo Hayes and Baron Corbin's championship face-to-face. Didn't hate Corbin in this, you know. Hmm? Didn't hate Corbin in this. I didn't. I just hated Carmelo Hayes, and I don't think that was the point. Yeah. Um, they, I am him. Oh, God. Are you? I don't think I, th- I think the guy next to you might be, but I'm not sure about you anymore. Um, there's, no, there's no one in here. There's no one that's I'm, I'm him. Here. Nobody's him. <laughs> Stop saying him. Nobody's him anymore. Game's gone. Uh, <laughs> the only person's him came back on Saturday and he'd be gone again in three months. Nobody's him. Right. <laughs> him's, him's finished. Him. You pim. Uh, aye, they're just banging on about like Corbin's motivations remain weird because he kind of talks like he did want to come back and be the straw that stirred the drink, but then he's looking like Baron Corbin again this week instead of that dreadful gear last week that we were certain was to make you distinguish between this run and his actual WWE one. He's talking about all his money and his big houses and how like his life as a WWE superstar has bought him all the things he want. Um, like Hayes targets the happy Corbin character and he's like, well, I'll tell you why I'm happy. It's because of X, Y, and Z and all these things he's got. Um, God. I, th- I thought of you when he started going on about this one. Um, Hayes really respects the NXT legends that built the house. But this NXT le- <laughs> now let's build an actual house. This NXT legend needs to keep replacing the roof because it keeps getting raised. <laughs> right? What? That's, <laughs> that's one line. That's one line. Didn't he say like I put the windows in? I did. <laughs> I, I changed the windows up. I uh, well, I'm the guy that fixes the bathrooms. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, what was he doing? Is, is your thing that you are a plumber now, Carmelo? Wow. Where, where is the hospital wing? Because Robert Stone wants to jack it. So I understood it was all building to the wordplay of, I even had to reinstall the roofs because I blew so many of them off. I'm him. Just do that bit. Just do that bit. It's a bit silly, actually. You, but you do have to, like, build the house to build your point. You want the one guy with the Wi-Fi password? I'm him. I'm him. <laughs> so I did the solar panels, and then, you know, you know environmentally friendly, and then I blew it all off. And then, yeah. How many NXT champions does it take to change a light bulb? One. Carmelo Hayes. Not being funny. He's inconsistent, <sighs> and his ceiling is lower than a lot of people think. Mm-hmm. So I'm not burying Carmelo Hayes outright. I've been... Not wowed, but I've really enjoyed some of his matches. Peaks are quite high. Ah, quite high, that's the thing. Has he ever blown the roof off the place? Uh, I feel like there was once, and I've forgotten when that was. It would be a rule-proving exception, even if there was the one. Did he fight Roddy Strong and it kicked ass? Maybe, but then Chris Jericho fought Roddy Strong and it kicked ass. Um, aye, gold rush next week. Um, Corbin's going to take the title. He's not, is he? Obviously, this feud's been weird. Um, speaking of weird... Uh, Nathan Frazier offers Dragon Lee a shot at the Heritage Cup. So we're going to get friggin' Nathan Frazier and Dragon Lee working rounds. <sighs> Stop getting wrestling wrong. Stop getting wrestling wrong. Uh, speaking of getting wrestling right, Stax throws Joe Coffey in the trunk of his car. 
It's well overdue, in my opinion. <laughs> I am all. Uh, there's rats, apparently, at the pub. Quick one on this, because I'm sure we'll get Stax's actual thoughts on this next week yeah, in the yeah, preview, because yeah. I think he's back off his holiday. Um, there was rats at the pub. Nice bit of wordplay there, because we know his Sax thinks has sent Tony D to the slammer. But it, rather than letting Gallus know, shouldn't you be letting Fallon Henley? <laughs> her bar, isn't it? Is it her bar? Did we not establish that they use the same signage as when you had, like, Fallon Henley's bar, and it turned out that's where Gallus drinks, and maybe the, in the rules of this universe, Gallus's heavy, like, alcohol consumption is keeping... I think it's keeping, a different bar. Is it a different bar? Well, they use the same one, because it's the same set, because it's uh, cheaper. Suspiciously, we haven't seen Fallon Henley's bar since she's so not been a This featured. would suggest to me that this is your thing. We're really boring Scottish bastards, and we wrestle. Maybe it's a bit reductive. Do they in addition to being professional wrestlers, mm-hmm. own, operate, live in, and patronize a bar. <laughs> because they're going back to fix the rat problem. Yeah. yeah. So could not just call the landlord? Are they the land? So they live in, drink in, own a bar. And then when someone comes in, who the bloody hell are you? Who the fucking hell are you? <laughs> so you don't want to make money. It's in a financial sinkhole. <laughs> so you can have a pint. And, right, I've cracked this. This is even stupider than you think. So Gallus have been told there's rats in the bar. Yeah. The implication is it must be their bar because it's, all right, it's a shame that the one bar we quite like has got a rat infestation issue. Uh Um, That's a shame. We'll just go to somewhere else before that gets fixed. The implication here is that's their bar. Yes. It's their bar because they are the ones who have to sort it out when there's a problem. Yes. Didn't they go, have oh, the stupid American darts over here? Get an English dartboard then, you stupid idiot. Yeah. Of course they've not stocked it the way they wanted. They've got to order these things. Which is it, NXT? Make your mind up. We found, found, we've we, blown the lid off this case. Yeah, we've found some plot holes. Is it your bar or not? Yeah. <laughs> we've found some plot holes. It's this show, of course we have. But is it their bar or not? And if it's their bar... And they are tasked with correcting the problems in the bar. Why do you get a dartboard that you hate? <laughs> How'd you do that? Am I the this show sucks? Am I the Georgia I football even team? Talk about how bad some of the wrestling is on this show. Am I the Georgia football team, Sage? Because I just want matches with Scottish people to be cancelled. <laughs> uh, sorry, did you just say we haven't even talked about how bad some of the matches were at this show? I'm getting there. We're teeing up our own segues because it's Ulyssa Leron and Valentina Faraz versus Jakara Jackson and Lash Legend representing the metaphor. Um, There's a... um, Right. There's a bit where I think it was Jakara Jackson was taking down Ulyssa Leon and like she pretty much just fell out of her grip. Uh, but it was set up chin lock, so it's like, get back in here. Yeah. Uh, there's, like, this is terrible. Um, it's like, it's only three minutes, and I don't like to harp on about terrible wrestling on the developmental show when clearly some of these matches still exist for developmental purposes. But this was a bad version of a three-minute match. Just they're getting around oh it. Oh, my God. Um, that feigned kick. Oh, God. Or should I call it feigned kicks? <laughs> because it was meant to be, oh, I'm going to kick you. Yeah. Oh, no, this is where I've just got you in position for where I want you for the real kick. Mm-hmm. Uh, both kicks missed. Bye, Miles. Uh, <laughs> it were um, Lola Vice. It were Lola Vice. We're Electra. not very good. I don't, don't know how to like that. I'll start a sentence like I can't say that. Lola Vice and Electra Lopez come out to take a close look at this as uh, we're really setting up several contenders for the uh, NXT tag titles that are about to be abandoned on this Friday's SmackDown. Um, Noam Dar, 
injured or not, like, worked. Know, did we not preview that on SmackDown? Yeah, it was shunted with no mention whatsoever to this week's SmackDown instead. I found that weird as I well. I don't do previews anymore. <laughs> Legit. Is that because of WWE switching stuff up or because we have to talk about my Hardy and the guns? Well, why am I wasting time something that's going to be terrible and not even going to do it? Well, yeah, I have no answer for that. So I might as well be just, feel like I'm a doomsday prepper. Preview. Vocation? <laughs> Preview and WWE thing. Like, like, setting myself up for the worst possible eventuality that might not happen in your lifetime. I am on these raw, on these raw and SmackDown preview. I'm a doomsday prepper. You know they have like the bunkers, don't they? With like the knowingly terrible, but very um, that could be of, an NXT thing at some point as well. A doomsday prepper. Yeah, yeah. There's probably loads of them on there. Like oh, a weird bunch. Like oh, the strange, strange fruits in that gym. Um, <laughs> like yeah, like they've got the bunker and like the food. It's not there to be high quality food, but it's very durable. Like it'll potentially survive a blast or whatever. It's got like a sell by date of years and years away from. Those tins of that food is exactly what both of us think of WWE for entirely different reasons. Yeah. Those tinned hot dogs, like, is Monday Night Raw to you a nightmare to me a treat? Yes, I know. That's it. I do like a tinned hot dog, me, like. Mate, I they, inhale them. They're great, and they? Like, they give you eight in a tin. It's like, oh, looks like eight hot dogs for me. <laughs> yeah. Like, get a tin of eight hot dogs. What's the rest of the family on for tea? It's, well, I like two per finger bun. And then if you have, like, four finger buns, that's all here hot dogs accounted for. Yeah. Get yeah. some uh, craft cheese slices or supermarket berries. <laughs> you only need craft cheese slices. You don't need the craft brand, right? I'm just, like, trying to make sure that our American listeners on some of the branding hand. I've got the issue with. What is it? The, um, it's a complete bastardization of cheese. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll let cheese be bastardized because you can fold those little boys over the top of the hot dogs and they just fit perfectly. I'm getting over tea tonight. It's one of the things that few things that the kids can eat quickly as well. Yeah, ideal for a weekend lunch. Yeah. I give them nutritious stuff as well. But oh. when you want to get out, hot dogs, do something. Hot dogs for dinner. Eat them up. What's great about tin? Eat hot, them up. Hot, great about tinned hot dogs is like you're a man that I am more of a glass jar. Well, hot and dog I was guy. just that's perfect, right? Because I was just going to say you're a man that prefers the finer things in life. So I was hey, just going to say the finer thing version of the tinned hot dog is the glass jar one. Yeah, yeah. Because they're bigger and there's that like brine that's theoretically kept them a little bit healthier than the tinned ones yeah, and yeah. not healthier in terms of your body. I just yeah, mean yeah, yeah, yeah. the hot dog's consistency and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. Still really taste the shoe leather in those bad boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I like, I like a hot dog, me. I like a rubbish hot dog. Remember, um, there were a big thing a few years ago. Remember those like rollover carts where it was just a baguette with the top lopped off. Yes. And there's just a hole, a, a sausage-shaped hole inside the <laughs> yeah. bread somehow. That just drop the thing in. <laughs> <laughs> put, put the lid back on top and then they're rolling over. Yeah. They were great, man. It, uh, I don't know if it was like your comp before, but Jamie Oliver ruined everything. <laughs> but we used to get fed like rubbish. Yeah, absolutely yeah, rubbish. And it was like, you know those like um, blue and white wrappers? Yeah. Hot dogs. Oh, God. Yes. We used to eat them oh, at school. Uh-huh. And it was just like a joy. Yeah. Like, like fast food at school, IKEA hot dogs goaded. Yeah, like even when like the thing is the price price of everything go up, but like you got a long way to go up from thirty nine pence. So I think IKEA hot dogs are up to about sixty now. And it's like I can work for that. Yeah, yeah. I'll take three. Bye. Refillable drinks at the end of an IKEA trip is torture to me because you're pretty much on your way to the car. It's like I'm not not getting two drinks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. don't show me refills and expect me to just get one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, come on. It's not good economy. It's not America over here. Yeah. We don't have it everywhere we go. Uh, I the metaphor won because of Noam Dar and Oromensa causing a distraction. This ain't a good act, and the matches ain't good. This can only go brilliantly. Yep. Yeah. Anything on that? There was a double knees to the corner of the old Andrade, and oh my God, it was very much like 
I've used the, the analogy before, but when you're very gently doing wrestling moves to kids. Yeah. Like, you lift them up for, like, an uranagi. That's why jackknifey kids are so satisfying, because as long as you're in front of the sofa or the bed, you can throw them, and they've got the softest landing. But the throw itself can have a bit of juice. Well, I'm more of a uranagi, like, the, the setup, like, throw them back. Jay White, CM Punk. Very gently with your hand placed on the back, lower them down. Yeah. Like... If I was going to do the double knees to my eight-year-old kid, I would do it the exact same way that yeah. these two did it. Big run up, slow down, gentle double jump. That's this is NXT television on USA Network, millions of dollars. Not that many millions compared to the other shows. Yeah, not yet. Not watching, yet. I'm still watching this. Oh, Nick Khan's gonna. He's gonna. He's gonna make it happen. Karen um, Cross's new finisher. The start of that is very much the sort of stuff to do when you're wrestling your kids. Yes. Nothing in particular. There's some pump handle stuff. I just li- I've lifted you up. Whoa. Like, what now? I'm going to have to gently place you on the sofa. Yes. But, like, this bit was good. Like, that's Karen Cross's, well, 50% of his new move, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, look forward to the SmackDown preview. Yeah. I'm not doing it. Right. <laughs> yeah, Worldborn's back in here. Fine. World Heavyweight Championship uh, is on the line, Sige. It's uh, Seth Rollins versus Braun Breaker. Seth it's Rollins. main event. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, hey. Wow, we're doing all right, aren't we? He's gets an incredible reaction. Like it's a small crowd, and obviously they just cannot believe they're in the presence of a, a star off of Raw. But he does like get a great reaction, and he's able to milk that. And then uh, Braun gets more and more annoyed, so they're just like immediately at it straight away. There's a set. I'll tell you what I liked about this. I'm not going to do the, the full recap, but Seth was basically putting himself through hell with the taped ribs from the attack he suffered at Finn Balor's hands on Raw. Um, as a way to prove that injuries won't stop a Seth Rollins Braun, you've got a long way to go to understand that about me. The people you've been beating with your deadly spear, and he hit him with an awesome one in this, are good, but they're not me. Yeah. They're not the World Heavyweight Champion, Seth Rollins. I quite admire that story. Um, so Braun's just hitting him with all of his like impact stuff, uh, but they fight to the floor at one point. Seth gets Braun on the table and hits him with a frog splash. Again, he's selling the ribs, but he's like, like it's almost like there's an arrogance to it, like a world championship. I can do this to you, and I've still got your number, all that kind of thing. Uh, we get Braun hitting him with the press into the power slam. Uh, he hits him with um, uh, Rollins, gets him with a pedigree, but then Breaker counters with a spear. That gets a pretty good two count. I think people, I wouldn't say they bought a finish, but they were lost in it at least enough to pop for the kick out. Um, and then Rollins hits him with a super kick, gets him with a couple of stomps, and pins him clean. Uh, like just under 20 minutes, this was. One of Bron's stronger matches in terms of them actually making him go along. I still don't know why they insist on doing it, but one of Bron's better nights. Of course, it should have been. It was against uh, Seth Rollins. Uh, and obviously, clean as you like. Rollins is posing to celebrate as we think the show has gone off the air. But Finn Balor attacks, uh, carrying on the attack from Monday, going for the ribs yet again to tee up the coup de grace at Money in the Bank, I guess. Uh, but Hayes and Trick, having had their moment of mutual respect with Balor earlier in, uh, with Rollins earlier in the night, come out to make the save and potentially, what, set up these three versus the Judgment Day on Raw? I, I, yeah. I'm quite into that. Um, but yeah, not a lot on the closing angle, but what did you make of the match? Has Brom Breaker hit a three and a half star ceiling? Hmm. Increasingly for me, the answer is yes. There's one really cool moment where it was the... Like, it's running power slam-ish sort of move. I really thought that he's either timed that incredibly well, where it may, where he's making you think that Rollins might like have to tuck his neck at the very last yeah. second, or is he just still a bit like 
raw and green and he didn't get him completely secure before the bump, which mercifully went well. I couldn't tell if that was a masterful bit of work and great bit of chemistry between the two or whether it was just lucky not to go awry. In general, this just lacked drama. It lacked a big-time atmosphere. And again, I don't know if it's... How much of this is on the talent? How much is this on just the stupid way WWE does things? If they'd maintained this draft for a full calendar year, maybe longer, Mm. would this thing feel massive? Would WWE's ability to promote and to create this framework that people can invest in and take seriously, if they'd established all of this first and then you got this version of Braun Breaker and this version of Seth Rollins having this wild, how is this happening? It's against the rules. Mm. It feels sort of like elusive and forbidden-y. Forbidden door. I yeah. was just thinking, yeah, yeah, that, try and replicate that. And then because they don't do these things for like a week or two and it just feels normal... It doesn't have the allure, the inherent allure of what this could be. So it just turns into a match. Yeah. It just becomes a match. And they give themselves the get out of the of the ribs to try and fool you into thinking there could be a finish. You know, it's a bit corny. And I just think it was good, not great. And I think that's it didn't, fair. didn't really do much for me. I like bronze in a strange spot at the and moment. Seth is very good. Yeah. You cannot watch this match. And think he's not very good at what he does. He's been in his like ring general years for quite a while now, hasn't he? Yeah. Like that's not going anywhere. He's gone from best in the world here 2015 to some years, plural, where it didn't look like he'd ever recapture that form to really becoming a great craftsman of a wrestler. Yeah. Despite not being anywhere near his athletic prime. I think that's my fair description of Seth. And I think this match, despite not being blow away great in and of itself, was proof that. He really knows what he's doing in terms of putting this together. I think the testing break has metal a little bit as well. And I think he's passing the test. He's lost to Hayes twice. He's lost to Rollins here. The second loss to Hayes was clean. This was clean. You would expect him to lose to Ilya Dragunov on what we assume will be his way out of NXT. And it's not really damaging him. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Which, again, is a reminder that wins and losses don't damage people. Don't protect him on the way out. Just have him eat these losses to help yeah. other stories that you're telling. Um, I just hope it doesn't become the philosophy when he gets to the main roster. The point is, he can take these losses now because he's got so much credit in the bank on NXT. He won't have that on Raw or SmackDown. Yeah. You can't have him like you can't see him be this monster that gets beat and be like, "Cool, we've got a monster that we can beat every now and then." Because then you've just got like another carrying cross. He's got to start on Raw or SmackDown like he did on NXT. This took a year to be able to beat him in the way you're doing, and I think they're in their minds are thinking, "Yeah, yeah, you've done really good at learning to win." Braun, you've got to learn to lose too. Yeah. And I think, like, he's managing it. I think he's coping. And I was glad this was a clean finish. Everything with Breaker just feels like a curriculum. A little bit. For him yeah. and not for my enjoyment or investment, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I, that's I, what the show is. And that's why we make it stupid on this podcast, I guess. We don't have to work too hard to make it stupid either. Yeah. They do a lot of that for us. Did you think it was stupid? Of course you did. But let us know in the things anyway. Did you even watch it? No, you didn't. Drives a bit of engagement. Uh, and if you want to drive engagement with us, you can do so on the old bird app. Uh, where can they find you, Sitch? At M. Sidgwick. You can find me at Michael Hamlet. You can find all of us at What Culture WWE. Uh, we'll be back later on to preview tonight's episode of AEW Dynamite and back to review that tomorrow, uh, wherever you get the podcast as usual. In the meantime, thanks you very much for listening to us. And until then, we will see you soon. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. 
But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.